Off the Cuff Franchising, Episode 4. Z. Welcome everyone to another episode of Off the Cuff Franchising. This is the podcast where we interview leading thought, thought leaders from the franchising industry and just diving deeper into this amazing world of business. I'm on the line with me. I have Nathan Sikirsky. I'm sorry if I've have I said that all right. How do you say that? You got that bang on, David. Yeah, that's good. That's Sikirsky. Good where, yeah. where, where's your name from? My name's Polish. Um, my grandfather was Polish. He was a prisoner of war. Um, and so, yeah, he met my nan when he was in England. Yeah. She's Irish. And that's carried through to me now. Um, so, yeah, Sikorsky. Oh, uh, it actually means um, son of, uh, and the Sikir bit is an axe, and the ski is son of. So, I'm from ancestors of woodcutters. Ah, that's fascinating. That's that's really interesting. And I forgot to say this in the introduction. Nathan is the managing director of Jasper's Catering Franchise, amongst other things that we'll probably get into. Um, yeah. But interestingly, you you mentioned you're known as a philosophical director, and probably get into that as well later in the interview. But mm-hmm. did you, when you were a kid, did you think one day I'm going to be the managing director of a catering franchise? Well, there's uh, in my family, people tell me that when I was quite young, um, that I always said that I would work for myself. Yeah. Uh, I never, I, I don't know where it comes from, really, because there isn't a, a natural history of entrepreneurship in the family. Yeah. But I've just never been able to cope with the idea of working for the people. Yeah. Um, and and I get as I've matured um, in in my life, I understand where that comes from. Yeah. So. Oh, that's good. Well, what could you would you mind taking a minute to just give the audience uh, almost a brief bio? Because I've I've read what you've got online and what other people have said about you, and we'll talk about some of that because it's really fascinating. But from the kid who knew he didn't want to work for anyone else up till here, what's your journey been like? Okay, uh, it started 38 years ago, um, yeah. which is hard to believe now. Um, but yeah, 38 years ago when I was born in Birmingham. Yeah. And uh, I think the biggest, looking back, the triggers in my life for, for ending up being an entrepreneur and working for myself and creating my own commercial and um, private destiny. Yeah. Since with my mother, really, um, she brought me up. She played a significant role, along with my grandmother. Yeah. But my mom taught us a very um, strong work ethic from a young age, yeah. um, which was uh, basically whatever we want. Um, if we put half, she'll put the other half. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, and she led by example. She worked her socks off to provide for um, myself and my sister. Yeah, and it's it's it, you know I can't have anything other than praise for my mother really in influencing uh, my life from a work point of view especially. Yeah. So did you have um, like, did you go to? I noticed you went to university. Did you follow a set path, or did you kind of find yourself drifting um, and just responding to opportunities as they came? Did you have a very set course because you didn't want to work for anyone else? But did you know what you did want to do? 
No, um, like I said, I knew, I knew that I didn't want to work for anybody else. That was always inside me somewhere. Yeah. Um, what industry I was going to go in, to I didn't know. Um, I certainly didn't think I was going to go into the food industry. Um, that wasn't in my plan. Yeah. Uh, but but philosophy, looking back, seems like a natural part of, of my life. Yeah. Um, having, I guess, you know, everybody has their stuff. Everybody has their, their things growing up, what they have to deal with. My father wasn't very well. He was an alcoholic. Yeah. And so that left me asking lots of questions because he wasn't about. Like, yeah. I guess anybody asks questions if a parent isn't about. Yeah. And that led me naturally to develop... Um, a questioning which was enhanced by my grandmother as well. She was very much into um, having an open mind about things and questioning everything from um, the occult through to herbs and, yeah. you know, you name it, we were always talking about something different. So, um, yeah, the, the ability to question uh, was nurtured young in me and uh, at age 11, sadly, I was trying to read Plato's Republic which, um, looking back, obviously, I had no idea what it meant back then. Yeah. Um, but what I did know is that the 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 skill set that philosophy gives you, yeah. the the questioning, the deconstructing, the taking an idea and then breaking it down to its original position, yeah. um, is something that's extremely relevant in business. And obviously, um, in something like franchising, looking for patterns, looking for systems, looking for triggers. Yeah. Um, I would say that philosophy is, uh, I would personally say it's essential yeah. to be a good franchisor. Um, so, uh, yeah, and I would say every good franchisor in, is in a sense a philosopher yeah. in order to establish the patterns of, of the business. That's interesting because that's a theme that came up when I was reading your bio online. And interestingly enough, it seems as if philosophy is often relegated as one of the the weakest sub subjects to study i'm fascinated by it myself mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. you have the hard sciences you've got physics and chemistry you've got business studies and then philosophy seems relegated as the you know the black mm -hmm. sheep of the studies um mm -hmm. despite its roots um, when people like yeah. socrates and plato um yeah i find that fascinating so I think I'll just jump straight to your quote because there's there's so much in there and I think we, it needs enough time to unpackage. But would you like to, do you remember what you sent to me the, as your quote, as the great your insight into franchising or would you mind me reading it? No, you go for it, yeah. I, I do remember it, but you, you read it out and let the audience know and then we can uh, pull it apart if you want. All right. Well, let's go into it. So what Nathan sent to me when I asked what his greatest insight was into franchising, he said that no franchise brand, system, process, or even network can defend itself without great cost, both financially, spiritually, and emotionally against the perilous and potentially catastrophic activity of the unethical franchisee. And you said the above is the negative, but here's the positive, mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. any human with the right attitude, when matched with the right franchisor and franchise system, can achieve emotional and financial success beyond anything they had experienced before they ventured into franchising. Heart-filling rewards and satisfaction created through an expert wanting to teach and a novice passionate about learning. So, yeah. is that about accurate? That's, that's bang on the money, yeah. So, um, uh, 
So could, would you mind going unpackaging that for us a bit because there's so much in there. I think I think in the in the modern world, um, you know, business owners, uh, successful business owners, get a lot of stick. Um, there's this idea that uh, being wealthy or creating wealth or being successful um, and creating a large business somehow um, is easy. When when in fact it's uh, I would say the most challenging uh, the most challenging thing that a, a human could do, um, yeah. and not just from an economic point of view. You know, it takes a lot to take something from an idea, yeah. to just conceive the idea and then to put it into practice, yeah. you know, to have the gut, to have the heart, to have the, the blood, sweat and tears, yeah. to take that from an idea, nurture it into something and then build it into a brand yeah. whereby you can create systems that can be replicated, that um, create something that's to a greater degree predictable. Yeah. Um, and I just don't think that business owners and, and entrepreneurs get anywhere near enough credit for for what they do. Yeah. And let's let's be honest, um, that there would be no schools, there would be no hospitals, mm. that these things just wouldn't be funded if you didn't have people that were breaking the rules, yeah. that were were breaking the mold and creating systems and processes yeah. to create wealth for other people to benefit from. It just wouldn't happen. Yeah. So I, I guess with when it, what I'm talking about with franchising um, and the unethical franchisee, yeah, is that there's a tendency in, in modern economies, in particular, yeah, um, to to just take a perception that the franchisor, if you want, because they are the um, the larger entity in terms of um, commerciality, experience, profitability, or perceived as that anyway, yeah, um, that they are the bad guys. Um, and that every franchisee um, is an innocent, um, naive individual. Now, yeah. that's obviously not the case, but there is a lot of that, um, especially from um, mediators, lawyers, and those kind of people. Yeah. And actually, that does a disservice to the whole industry yeah. and does a disservice to very successful franchisees, very um, competent franchisees, yeah. very successful franchisees. Because it doesn't deal with the real issue. Yeah. Now, if a, if if you have a franchise system whereby you have um, a portfolio of franchisees, some being really successful, some doing okay, yeah, and then a group at the bottom really struggling, yeah, um, you have to ask the question: Where does the responsibility sit? Yeah. With those, when it comes to those people not succeeding, um, and my experience, and I know a lot of franchisors that I speak to, and indeed a lot of successful franchisees that I speak to would say, well, the responsibility sits with them because they're not doing the things inevitably what they should be doing. So therefore they're not getting the results that they should be getting. Um, And then the problem comes that a franchisor has to deal with that. And the responsibility seems to be almost 100% on the franchisor to deal with that. Yeah. That means the franchisor has to put extra resource, extra energy, extra effort into that franchisee. Yeah. And the problem is that that takes away, whether you like it or not, some resource from doing more positive things of helping those that are doing the things that they need to be doing, who are undertaking the systems and processes, yeah. who could benefit from more support from the franchisor. Yeah. 
Yeah. Inevitably, the franchise always uses up more time on those people that don't want to, if you want, play ball, yeah. despite signing a franchise agreement, despite knowing what they were getting into, um, and so on and so forth. Yeah. Um, and it's a painful experience for franchise or franchisees and everybody involved, really, or can be, certainly. Yeah. That's fascinating because it's not, it's challenging the perception that those who have initiated the business are, in one sense, the the ones off playing golf whilst they're mm-hmm. living off the you know blood, sweat and tears of the people they sold a franchise to. But it's, yeah. I guess it's reminding people that this isn't a job they've bought, it's a business and the same um, initiative and the same persistence that the the franchisor needed to start it is what's needed mm-hmm. to run the systems. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's really important because it's the, I, I find it in different areas of life where it's the mentality of looking for someone to blame. And yeah. obviously there are instances where people in power, you know, power corrupts and absolute power corrupts, absolutely. But mm-hmm. it's where it's easy to throw the baby out with the bathwater. Exactly. So that's fascinating. Yeah. Because one of the things I read about you is you, you, people say that you are very passionate about developing people. You're mm-hmm. passionate about systems. So that challenges up front that philosophy is woolly or wishy-washy because yeah. a big theme with you is systems. And I guess mm-hmm. that's franchising. But how do you, on the one hand, there's the, well, let's, let, me, let me take this, this approach. One of the people you spoke, uh, I read about, was a speaker that you'd hired to come talk to your team and members. I can't remember his name off the top of my head, but he said mm-hmm. you asked him superb questions to see whether he was the right fit. So mm-hmm. does with what you were discussing about the unethical franchisee, is there mm-hmm. an extra onus on the franchisor to make sure that he or she lets the right people in? Or doesn't sell the business, sell the franchise to somebody who doesn't fit. Well, this is this is the you've you've, you've kind of hit the nail on the head there, but there's a problem. But yeah. the way people behave, if you want, in an interview, yeah. is very different to how they behave if they get the job, so to speak. Um, yeah. And as you rightly pointed out, being a being a franchise owner um, is not a job. Yeah. But there is an element of that still within a lot of people that come into franchising. Uh-huh. So. We have a, um, a, a, you know, we do psychometric testing, uh, profile documents. We, we we try and undertake as much um, digging as we can, uh, even to the point where before anybody ever signs a franchise agreement, even at the last minute, I always say to them, I have the same conversation where I say to them, look, you're not going to follow the follow systems and processes because yeah. it's almost impossible for you to do that 100%. Yeah. Because to what degree you don't, um, that will determine how successful you're going to be in this or not. Yeah, It's hard work. It's going to require blood, sweat and tears. You yeah. shouldn't have a holiday for 18 months. Yeah. You're going to have to work harder than you've ever worked in your life. Yeah. And, and you, you know, you tell people this, Yeah. but there is a moment with every franchisee after the euphoria has passed, after the excitement has passed, yeah. a realisation probably in the second or third month where there's kind of that, moment, yeah. excuse my French, okay. um, where, they, where they realize that they are now responsible and the pressure, the pressure comes on board. Yeah. Now what that creates then is a default behavior. Yeah. And that often can be um, attack. Yeah. 
when under pressure, they, they start attacking to pointing the finger and blaming, yeah. um, or they procrastinate, yeah. and, and they, they shut down. Um, but it's the fight or flight scenario, really. Yeah. And, and the job of the franchisor is to try and assist the franchisee through that and say to them, look, it's okay, you, you have taken on something of magnitude, yeah. but that's a positive thing. And once you come to terms with that, you, this is why you're going to feel so much more reward than you've ever felt before in your life. Yeah. And when you go to the next barbecue and all your friends are moaning about their boss, yeah. you won't feel like them. You won't get where they're coming from. You'll have this new elevated perspective on life because you're now responsible for your own economic existence and your family's provision. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and that, that is the challenge for a franchisor. How do you spot that behavior post signing of the franchise agreement because unless they've signed the franchise agreement you can never absolutely be sure what they're going to be like yeah. after that yeah that's so, interesting yeah. so it's very shows, difficult so really the you only it the real work begins once they've said yes once you've done all the tests and you think you've the got truth the truth right comes out the truth comes out man yeah the truth comes out man absolutely yeah, yeah. Um, but inevitably to get to that stage, the franchise has always undertaken work, um, and, and you know you're somewhat down the line, really. Yeah. Um, and and it, you know, the thing about what I'd like to say about every franchise that I know is that yeah. they are genuinely, genuinely bothered about the franchise owners in their network. Uh-huh. That they lose sleep about franchisees that aren't achieving their goals that it really hurts them emotionally and spiritually, that it really impacts on their life yeah. if they've got franchisees that aren't happy or aren't being successful. Uh-huh. And what they find most challenging is that they feel like they have the answers. Yeah. Because they should have, because that's why you've got into franchising. Yeah. Because the franchise is the expert and they know what needs doing. Yeah. But bridging the gap with a, an, an unethical franchisee, as I call it, yeah. um, Bridging the gap between you giving them the knowledge and them taking that knowledge on board yeah. is massively challenging. Yeah. Massively challenging. Because inevitably, you could be talking about 46, 56 years of behavior that's been learned by certain people yeah. um, and, their, and their reaction to things when they're under pressure or stress. Yeah. And somehow, in a couple of months, or you might even have that much time, in a few weeks, you've got to try and unpick that yeah. and manage them through it. Very challenging, very yeah. challenging. Um, yeah, definitely, uh, definitely uh, uh, has a big impact. And I think it's a responsibility of the industry. Yeah. And people like the uh, organizations like the British Franchise Association. Yeah. Um, the banks, the lawyers, everybody. Yeah. To stop pointing the finger at the franchisor. Yeah. And start doing something about the franchise agreement itself. Yeah. Lifting it out of this position where it's, um, up for negotiation post signing, and uh-huh. if you want creating a sort of Ten Commandments version of it, where yeah. no, 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 this is what you signed, yeah. and you need to adhere to your part of the bargain, just like the franchise orders. There's no dispute in it. This is what you signed, yeah. and I think that way the ambiguity would be removed, and yeah. the industry could start driving things forward and saying to people, well, this is what you're going to sign. You take a lot of responsibility with it. Yeah. As a franchise or but this is the only thing that matters yeah so what do you think is missing to keep what obstacles what would need to happen to make that a reality 
uh, we probably need to cut the number of lawyers in the United Kingdom. <laughs> <laughs> any lawyers listening at the moment, um, <laughs> I, I don't mean to cause offence, but there are some great lawyers in in the commercial world. There are some great lawyers in the world of franchising. Sadly, there is an abundance of lawyers in the United Kingdom, probably in the world, yeah. and there are people not quite um, skilled uh, and probably not as ethical as they should be. Yeah, don't understand really what would get a result for their franchise owner that they're representing if they're not happy. Yeah, um, it might actually do the franchise owner more favour if the lawyer said. Uh, do you know what? You signed up to this. The best thing you can do is adhere to the systems and processes yeah. and work your socks off to make it work for you rather than pointing the finger and, and blaming. Yeah. Um, and the way to do that is for the BFA yeah. to stop trying to represent the franchisor, yeah. stop trying to represent the franchisee, yeah. and start representing the agreement uh-huh. and hold the agreement up as the shining light in the industry yeah. and say... Mr. or Mrs. Franchisor, Mr. or Mrs. Franchisee, yeah. I kind of don't care what your opinion is. Yeah. You both signed up to this. Yeah. Deal with it in a mature fashion yeah. and start delivering your goods. Yeah. I think if we had a, a firmer a firmer perspective, a firmer opinion on that, yeah. the industry would be better full stop. Franchisors would be better off. Franchisees would be better off. Yeah. Um, there'd be less disputes, less litigation. Yeah. Everybody would know where they stand. The industry would be held in high regard. Yeah. Um, sadly, it would put some lawyers out of pocket, and that's the problem. You know, interesting. Um, lawyers. Yeah. That's, that's my opinion, anyway. That's interesting because it's a whole different dimension. Because I've been talking to a lot of people in different aspects of franchising, but this aspect seems to be the battle between the reality, the mechanics of running a franchise. And mm-hmm. the human element that can exactly. either make it work or sabotage it. That yeah. because it's under the surface, it's easy just yeah. to look above the surface and you see franchise owner, franch- franchise or franchisee, and fight the battle at the surface and ignoring the yeah. elements underneath. That's interesting because just reading your story, it's where your grasp of and your fascination with philosophy seems to have equipped you for such a time yeah. as this, in, in one sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it, 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 and also, you know, it's a, it's a challenge for people. I know people can sometimes get frustrated with me um, when they say, let's say they say something like, oh, this isn't working, and then I'll respond with a question like, okay, what about this isn't working? Yeah. And I'll, st- I'll start trying to drill down into something specific. Yeah. Now, when people are in a state of emotion, especially if they're um, defensive or, or and reactive, yeah. that becomes very frustrating for them that they have somebody who's trying to get to the factual basis of it, trying yeah. to deconstruct the problem. Yeah. What they want to hear is, oh, I'm sorry, don't worry, we'll sort this all out for you. Yeah. But obviously you can't sort it out properly mm. unless you actually find out what the problem is. Getting and to the, the problem root of might, it. The root of it, and the problem might lie with something that their school teacher said when they were 11 years of age about how they'd never be any good at math. Yeah. Um, and so they can't get a handle on their numbers now and they're beating themselves up internally somewhere Yeah. Um, because of a comment made 40 years ago. Yeah. Um, so it's complicated. But what lawyers in particular don't do is ever seem to consider that. Yeah. That a franchisee may need psychological support because that sounds like um, 
it's a dirty phrase, that, isn't it? Um, you need psychological help. Yeah. How dare you say that? It's a stigma. <laughs> well, you might do. Yeah, and they shouldn't be, mm. because business is about psychology. Yeah. You hear about governments talking about we need confidence in the economy. Yeah. That's a psychological position. Yeah. The global economy was eroded. The lives of millions were affected because of a psychological position. Yeah. And yet, if you raise it in a meeting with a lawyer, um, they will often just brush it away and, and, and say, no, 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 we're not talking about that. We're talking about the franchise. Yeah. Um, so it's a challenge. It's a big challenge. Yeah. Interesting. It almost sounds like a, there's a need for pre-franchising counselling. In a, in a way, as yeah. part of the qualification process, is that a standard process with any franchises or with your your business? Do you employ techniques like that? We've we've worked closely with um, a coach who uh, is a high performance coach, and actually, it's it's a relationship that's been very difficult because he gets it, I get it, and then when franchisees go to see him. Yeah. They are challenged. Effectively, his position is to hold up a mirror to them and say, guess what, you're responsible for this now. Yeah. Um, people don't like that. <laughs> yeah. They they find it, when if he's there saying, well, you've got nowhere else to turn now, you're 100% responsible for this to make it work. Yeah. They We have had cases where people have um, been quite upset by that, that they are now being challenged to say, you're responsible for your life. Yeah. Um, so, so one of the... Yeah, one of the things, I mean, obviously I've got two um, amazing young kids as well. Yeah. And one of the things that I, I need to make sure that I give to them, like my mother gave to me, is that sense of responsibility. You know, if things go wrong in my life, yeah, I've got to accept responsibility for that. Yeah. Um, just like if things go well, yeah, uh, I should be proud of myself to say, well done, um, you worked your socks off, you did a good job there, and I should be rewarded for it. Yeah. I, th I think there's something in this society, um, modern economies, where there isn't enough praise for those people that do accept responsibility, yeah. and there isn't enough honesty about those that don't. You yeah. know, oh, I'm, I'm, let's say, for example, um, you know, I'm poor. Um, okay, uh, you're poor. Have you, or you need a pay rise? Have you been to your boss and said, I'd like a pay rise, um, and this is what I'm going to do more of for you? I'm going to get in early, I'm going to take my responsibility, I'm going to work late, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. Yeah. No, you haven't. No, you haven't. So you're not taking the responsibility yeah. for improving your situation. Yeah. You want somebody else to take the responsibility for you. Yeah. Well, guess what? Humans throughout our whole history don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> they will not carry you along. They might give you the idea that they will, yeah. but they won't. Um, so it's, it's a problem, David, and I, I hope at some point there can be a mature conversation in the world of franchising saying something has to be done about this. Yeah. You know, franchising is, is meant to be a panacea for starting businesses. Yeah. Statistically, franchisees have a better chance of survival and flourishing than, than independents. Yeah. That's what's always put out there. Yeah. My question is, why does such a tiny percentage of startups occur in franchising them? If this is the panacea into business, if this is the panacea of starting your own enterprise, yeah. if this is the safest way, yeah. if, this is the, if, if this is the way where you should do it with least risk, yeah. then why is there still such a tiny percentage 
of startups in franchising in the United Kingdom, in fact, yeah. the world. Uh huh. That's an interesting question. Mm. I'm I'm intrigued though. This is a question for you. Could mm -hmm. you, with your, if you look at your career up to this point, and you, from an early age, saw that you couldn't work for somebody else, could you envisage yourself? not having done what you've done and instead being a franchisee? That is a good question. I don't... Honestly, I don't think I could be a franchisee now, that's yeah. for sure. Um, could I have been a franchisee in the past? I think I, I at the time I would... Uh, well, I remember looking at franchising as a way to going into business. Yeah. Um, I think I could could have been for a brief moment, but yeah. I definitely couldn't now. Um, so you, and you the reason. Sorry, go on. Sorry, go on. Uh, the reason for that is that I would a franchisor, a franchisor would find me very problematic because I would have um, lots of deconstructing questions yeah. about the model. In saying that. I wouldn't try and um, undermine or do it in a, a negative fashion. I've worked with franchisors on, uh, that have um, franchising models in other industries. Yeah. Um, and I would do it in a constructive way and probably get, try to get a piece of the pie, if, if you know what I mean, probably yeah. try and get some shares or equity or something and help them develop it. Yeah. So it's a good question. It's a definitely a kind of person that goes into franchising. Yeah. Um, I'll give you another insight that we found out in our profiling that when we were looking at um, franchise applicants, and we talked about hundreds and hundreds of people yeah. that applied for um, franchising, one of the things that was um, very, very um, apparent yeah. was a lack of self-belief uh -huh. in the profiling, which kind of makes sense because if you've got lots of self-belief and you're uber confident, yeah sometimes bordering on cocky and arrogant. Yeah. Um, you might uh, run out there and think, well, this is all right. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm the bee's knees. I know what I'm doing. I'll start my own business. I don't need a franchise or I don't need a system. Who needs an accountant? Who needs a lawyer? Who needs yeah. any of this? I'll just start it myself. So you go gung-ho, fueled by this um, internal confidence. Yeah. Uh, and then you make lots of mistakes. Yeah. Now, if you're a bit more cautious, if you don't have that much confidence and you're more cautious, yeah. you're probably more risk-averse yeah. So you probably look towards something like franchising as a safer bet. Yeah. So here lies the problem that it doesn't matter that it's franchising, you still need more belief in yourself. You uh -huh. still still need to back yourself. Yeah. You still need to believe that you are able to deliver this. A, a franchising system will not deliver you anything. I say to people, you can put golden arches on your house yeah. and it won't make you a penny. No. It will not make you a penny. Yeah, that's a good one, yeah. Franchise brands alone, franchise systems alone, yeah. are dead. They are dead without a franchisee yeah. that has the passion and belief to deliver the goods through them. Yeah, that's interesting. So, in one sense, though, because I noticed you'd done a, a project which was looking at the philosophical invest investigations into franchising, and mm -hmm. there's two thoughts on that. One was the data that you've got. Is there worldwide as a big collection of all the data that you're you're discovering and somebody else is discovering where people are able to like almost like google analytics for franchising i don't know if that mm -hmm. exists because um, it sounds as if that would be a useful resource to help the entire industry or the entire community but it also makes me think that 
is the sweet spot, the perfect, I don't know if there's anything at, such as a perfect franchisee, but is it somebody who has enough self-belief to go into business, but enough caution to realize they need systems? Is there, do you look for somebody who's right in the middle of those two ends of the mm -hmm. spectrum or does it vary? It's not that clear cut. I think I think the education of the of the business community um, has improved over the years, and I think if I remember rightly, in the um, BFA NatWest survey, yeah. that there is an increase of people coming into franchising that have previous business experience, yeah. whereas traditionally it was people that had been in employment um, and then went from employment into franchising. Yeah. Whereas I believe there is an increase of people coming from business into franchising. I yeah. suspect that's because when you try and start by yourself, as I've successfully done, fortunately, and not so much in the past, uh, you have to go through a lot of pain, a yeah. lot of pain to develop these systems and processes. And so if yeah. you've gone through that pain and it hasn't quite worked out for you, yeah. actually franchising is a very good option yeah. because you've obviously got the confidence to go out and do it yourself. Yeah. You've got the work ethic to battle and battle and battle to try and make it work against yeah. the odds. Yeah, and to go into franchising, I imagine it's kind of like a relief where you can go, um, yeah, "This is good. Yeah. I, I don't need to think about how this is going to work out, how that's going to work out. All I need to do is work my socks off, um, yeah. and I can benefit from that." And actually, some of our the, there is a profile in our industry of successful franchisees from the hotel sort of pub industry, yeah. where they do that. Um, not very well paid traditionally, yeah. but high expectations, long hours, lots of juggling, dealing with staff, suppliers, and um, customers, you know, lots of pushes and pulls on them. Yeah. So um, they can utilize all that learning, passion, and enthusiasm yeah. in their own franchise. Yeah. And, and we do see them outperform other people that haven't got that to reference. Yeah. Now, the problem with somebody coming into franchising is that it might be their first experience in business, and so they don't appreciate, they can't appreciate, um, in some cases, all the systems and processes and all the all the things that they have paid for. Yeah. And they might say, oh, we well, get yeah, a conversion process, that's just obvious. Yeah. When actually, if they'd gone on their own to create a real sophisticated, measurable conversion processes, you know, how to acquire customers yeah. systematically, um, they'd probably run out of time and money before they got anywhere near doing it. Yeah. Uh, because it's very difficult very difficult. Oh, that's interesting. So in terms of global global data on what is the ideal franchisee, yeah. um, that's almost going to be impossible because there's so many variables, Yeah. which is why I point back to the only thing that I can see as actually being tangible and measurable, which is a franchise agreement. Yeah. And we need, to, we need to almost create a universal franchise agreement in the United Kingdom that says, this is the franchise agreement. Everybody signs up to it. The courts know about it. The banks know about it. Yeah. Lawyers know about it. Yeah. There's no ambiguity. Yeah. It is the franchise agreement. That, that's and then that way we can concentrate on the things that really matter in franchising. That, that's really interesting because that would solve a lot of the problems when something is a standard or a fact. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. What comes to mind is the way it, it wasn't understood that germs were, or diseases were spread by germs. And so yeah. that idea that when Samuel, Ignatius Samuel, I think it was, was putting that forward, he was locked up in a mental asylum. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, exactly. 
I, I think there's some people that might like me love to be a mental <laughs> But it's fascinating because business really touches so many corners of you know every every community, every family, every every person is affected by the decisions and realities. Yeah. Of business, and that's yeah. what I'm. You know, I'm passionate about business and talking to people like you. If I can mm -hmm. somehow bring the conversation to the surface, I think yeah. talking about things is always the first step. You know, medicine. I think the the history is seventy five percent of the diagnosis. So mm -hmm. hopefully, this conversation will spark some ideas in the listeners, and people disagree or agree or somewhere in between. Yeah. And yeah. hopefully lots of the lawyers who are also part of the community will join in with their, their perspectives um, mm. or responses. But, yeah, thank you. I, I'm trying to think what else I wanted to ask you about. Um, I yeah. think if we, if we can just touch on um, the lawyers, actually, because this is a bold and brave move, isn't it, to, uh, to comment on the lawyers in the franchising industry? Yeah. <laughs> but I think, you know, we, we use a, a very reputable um Franchising, a very experienced franchising uh, legal advice team, yeah. and so do many others. Um, but but you have to remember this: that the, the business of a lawyer yeah. is not to solve ethical problems. Yeah, um, we don't have a code or legal system in the United Kingdom. Yeah, uh, it's very um, opinion based, yeah. and the business of a lawyer is to earn fees. That's the business of a lawyer. Yeah. earn fees because without the fees they have no business yeah and so um i'm not saying that they uh, elongate problems i'm not saying that they intentionally do that yeah but they they you have to remember as a franchisee or a franchisor yeah. that a lawyer's a lawyer's ethical aim and it is ethical for their business from a point of view from a commercial point of view yeah. is to is to earn fees the only way they earn fees is to perpetuate the need yeah. for legal advice yeah so um, that's why I think this a, a core, hardcore franchise agreement yeah. um, could would allow the lawyers to go off and um, explore other industries. Um, uh -huh. so please yes. don't all the lawyers out there start trying to um, <laughs> take me on in the European courts. Um, no. Although on another day I might like that challenge, but not today. <laughs> Thank you very much. Well, this is just a, a discussion, and it's it's the whole point is to provoke debate because I think it's. Mm -hmm. One of the, I think it was Socrates who said the the unexamined life is not worth living, and and I think it's this whole point where I love debate, where it's okay mm -hmm. to have differing points of view, yeah. and that's the way we can come up with new solutions, which is what we were talking about at the beginning. What business and entrepreneurship is about, it's about creating yeah. new ideas and new things that didn't exist Absolutely. before. So yeah. I, I think. Do you have any final? Final thoughts. I don't know if that's your final word or anything you'd like to leave the audience with, and then we can wrap this up. Do you know, I, I think my, my, my final thoughts, um, and anybody in business would, would probably agree with this, that business is tough. Yeah. Okay. It doesn't, there's no doubt about it. To be successful in business, you have to be different. You have to put more in. You have to be more bothered. You have to be more concerned. You have to feel more. You have to be emotional. Um, franchisors, Business owners, yeah. they're human beings. You know, I've got a family. I've got two young kids. Um, I'm married. I've got a, a mom. You know, I've got all the, the personal trappings of every franchisee, of everybody out there. Yeah. And it's easy to forget that business owners are human beings and that they do 
and, and look, I'm not wishy-washy, but um, we have our own stuff to deal with. Yeah. Uh, we're not all ruthless commercial fat cats, not by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah. I'll just reiterate what I said earlier. Every franchisor that I know yeah. loses sleep when they have a franchisee yeah. that isn't happy, isn't doing well, yeah. isn't where they should be. Yeah. And they beat themselves up trying to find a way how to help that franchisee get through the position they're in. Yeah. Um, and I just would say to everybody in the industry, if you can, get face-to-face, talk to each other without mediators, without lawyers, try and have open conversations with each other and deal with the issues in hand and move your business and your success forward as quickly as you can. Yeah. Well, that's perfect, Nathan. Thank you. Where can anyone, if anyone wants to reach out to you or find out more about the business that you run, what's the best way to get in touch with you? Yeah, personally, um, if you find me on LinkedIn, just uh, search for Nathan Sikorsky. Yeah. I think I'm the only one out there yeah. uh, with that name. Um, you'll find me on there. And if you want to look at uh, anything to do with the franchise, and uh, by the way, when people look at our franchise, I always say to them, you know, forget about us. But if you want some advice on franchising in general, then you're very welcome to come to the Jaspers site and, and I'll, I'll give you or point you in the direction or the team will that you can. Um, but the site is www jaspers-franchise.co.uk yeah oh, thank you Nathan I'll put all of that in the show notes for this episode and as well as links to different things we've discussed so people can easily find find you and connect with you okay lovely thank uh, you David I appreciate your time and, and well done with uh, the, the book that you've uh, recently com- completed uh, I think it's great that people like, like you are you know trying to put a new perspective on the industry, trying to get the industry engaged in, yeah. in talking about um, how it moves forward and, and, and where it goes from this point. Yeah, well, thank you for that. Thank you for your encouragement. No, it's a real pleasure, mate, a real pleasure. And if there's anything else that you need or can do or you ever want to have a chat about anything, then just get in touch, and uh, it's been a real pleasure. Oh, thank you, Nathan.